Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence most of all. Thank you for your manifest presence, the God who is everywhere in everything manifest somewhere and you chose to reveal and manifest your presence right here this Sunday morning at Encounter Church with these precious saints Lord thank you for your presence would you lift your hands and just thank him for his presence right now come on I vowed many years ago I will not do church without the manifest presence it's our number one priority encounter God's presence So, Lord, thank you for just the love of God permeating our hearts as we sit in your presence. There's healing in your presence. There's freedom in your presence. Everything we need is found in you. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanted to share a little bit on, uh, on having a heart for, for ministry and what it means to be Jesus followers. Can you say amen? Amen. Um, Jesus' style of leadership, his flavor of leadership. I'm not going to talk about leadership per se, but I want to talk about Jesus. And and just look at a few scriptures, and I, I just feel something burning in my heart where there is, there are times where I think we, we feel like we've arrived. And uh, how many know anytime we've arrived, we're setting ourselves up either for uh, a, a weary time, a desert time, or a plateau. Um, you know, there's been times in ministry that, you know, we planted a church in Las Vegas. Many of you know the story, but we've only been here for a little over two years. And the Lord called us here supernaturally, absolutely supernatural, undeniably God. Hardest decision we've ever made, um, but it was the uh, best decision we've ever made because we got to be with all of you. Come on, somebody. Um, but we're, you know, at times, and, I, and I'm still learning this, you know, I think as God's people, we should learn this. Even success in the realm of business, work, or career, different places, family, sometimes we get to this place of success, and it's like, oh, I've arrived. And then we become the most vulnerable um, to pride and to things that can really contaminate the pure ministry of Jesus flowing through us. How many can say amen? Amen. If you know what I'm saying. And, you know, we planted a church in Las Vegas and it grew and God was moving. And there was many times the Lord would just straight up rebuke me. Like, you know, anytime I was caught up in this place where I'm trying to be somebody, the Lord says, you're trying to be somebody because you don't know you're somebody. And, And the Lord would be like, what, how are you not receiving right now? Humble yourself. Like you would just straight up speak to me. Somebody would be like, can I pray for you, pastor? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't need prayer from this person. This is how, you know, we think this way though. Don't look, can we just be honest? Well, I don't need prayer from this person. They're not even really that anointed. What does that even mean, right? And, and I wouldn't, I, I learned how to receive. I learned how to humble myself. I also learned that ministry was not being a CEO Ministry was not being a boss. 
even though I use that word a lot, if something's cool, I'll be like, oh, that's boss. Like, he's such a boss. I say it all the time. If, I'm see, if I see something on Facebook I like, I'll write B-A-W-W-W-S-S-S-S-S. Boss. It's like you don't say God like G-O-D. It's like G-A-W-W-D-D-D-D-D-D-D. God. Boss. How many know ministry is not being a boss? It's not being in charge. It's not control. It's not control. And ministry is serving and loving. And that's the kingdom of God. We want the kingdom of God, and as believers, we got to be careful not only that we don't set ourselves up in an area where we end up in a wilderness, wondering where God is, or we end up, you know, plateauing, and we're trying to hear God, and God's like, you're, you're thinking of yourself just a little too high. Just go back down to my feet and listen to my word, Amen. and stay low, stay humble, Keep your heart postured in a place where success doesn't nullify your ability to hear my voice or receive from a child or be like a child. I've learned in my life that just learning to posture my heart like a little child is probably one of the most important things as a Christian. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be yoked to him, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. If we want to be connected to him, if he is the, the stronger oxen, he's definitely the most humble oxen. But in that humility, there's great strength. God's might flows from his humility, in fact. God is as humble as just much as he is almighty. His might and his strength flows from the very wounds of Jesus. His humility, the humility of God. And if we want to be yoked to him, a yoke was a big wooden beam that was connected. We're the, we're the oxen that's stubborn and needs help, right? But when we're yoked to him, we learn his ways. We learn his heart. We learn that he's lowly. We learn that he's humble. That doesn't mean weak. It means humble. And so I was reminded of John chapter 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I just want to read a few verses. And then I'm going to jump to a couple other passages. And I, I just feel like it's important that we are humble enough to admit that maybe we're not seeing Jesus rightly in this very moment. Because I think there's times we get so, even with theology, you know, like we learned the Bible. I remember when I first got saved, I started learning the Bible and I'm just, I knew scripture after scripture. And I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying as a young kid, I was so zealous, man. I had memorized, the Lord just blessed my memory. I could barely read as a 17 year old. I read at a first grade level. I get saved. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit on Christmas day. Best Christmas gift I ever received. Come on. And all of a sudden, the Lord blesses my, I'm able to read. I mean, I, I'll never forget, I totally embarrassed myself in a Bible study. The, the teacher says, would you read the scripture? And I'm reading Galatians, and I pronounce Gentile, genital, and everyone laughs. I don't even know everyone was laughing. I didn't know how to read. God chose to save the genitals. No, that's not what Paul was saying. Although, in essence, we are wholly saved. Praise God. Okay. Every part of us. Don't overthink that. Just let's move on. Let's go to the Bible here. I, I, like I was memorizing scripture like crazy. Just boom, 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 boom. I knew the word, but I didn't know the word. You can know the Bible and not know the word. And, and we need a value. You've heard me say it. 
there, there needs to be a restored value for the word of God, for the scripture. Like I said it a couple weeks ago, I think, or maybe last Sunday, we're like, I can't hear you, God, and we're not spending time in his word. No wonder. But there's something about admitting that maybe God is greater than my current revelation of him. And I've learned this on the journey as a pastor, as a leader, that even my current, like we, we just listened to one specific teacher and God is limited to the revelation of that teacher and we're limiting ourselves. This is why we need to glean from the larger body of Christ and not have Christian gurus. I love all the streams of the body of Christ, but I've learned that a stream is not the river. One stream is not the river. I love gleaning from different teachers all over movements, Bill Johnson. I mean, there's so many amazing but I've learned that God is so much bigger. And I, I want to see him rightly. I want to see Jesus. I want to, this place of humility is sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his voice, and, and keeping my heart postured like a child. Can he say amen? amen. And it, it's so subtle, man. It's so subtle that we can find ourselves caught up in this place where, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, and we're missing out on all kinds of kingdom stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know. We know so much we don't know. We know so much. So much knowledge. Knowing the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. This is Paul's prayer to the church. We're Gnostics. (laughs) Just memorize one more verse and we have no idea how to live the one that we first memorized. I'm preaching to myself. But Jesus humbles himself the day the Passover had come and he knew it was, it was about time for him to go back to the Father. And it says, having loved his own in the world, he loved them till the end. Amen. Yes. I love that. Yes. When we walk in true humility as believers and Jesus followers and we see him rightly, we well love till the end, till the uttermost, one translation says. Verse 2, and supper being ended, I love supper. Can we just thank God for supper? Come on, somebody. I like when we call it supper, too. Like, supper is different than dinner. Dinner's nice, you know, but supper is like, mm, come on, somebody. Supper sounds like soul food to me. I need some barbecue. Okay, stop it in Jesus' name. Keep moving on. The devil is a liar. Having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, even in the midst of betrayal, Jesus is like, I know what's going on here. And all things are complete power under control, total meekness, total humility. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel in which he was girded. Wow. I'm not going to read the rest of the story, but Jesus basically lays it out and says, this is what y'all need to be doing. I'm doing this, and I want you to follow this example that you would learn servant leadership. There's something powerful about foot washing, even spiritual foot washing. Just learning to, learning to just love and serve people. Uh, there's a couple other verses I just want to read to you here. 
in Matthew 18, very beginning. Who is the greatest? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, sat him in the midst and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. There's no exceptions. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives this little one, uh, this little child like this in my name receives me. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we want to see the kingdom of God manifest, we have to humble ourselves before the heart of the king. In Mark chapter 10, James and John, the sons of thunder, the ones who wanted to call fire down from heaven, and Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. How many remember that story in the Gospels? It sounds like very political Christians to me. On either side, on whatever our ideology is, we want to call fire down. We want the kingdom to reign. And I believe we should want good leaders. And we need to be involved in the realms that are in the world. But we can't release the kingdom and the power of the spirit apart from the humility of the king of kings. We can't have it backwards. We call fire down from heaven. You know, like... The same people that complain about, uh, complain about one president cuss at another one, and they're Christians. Hello? It's quiet in this Presbyterian funeral. Guess who's dying? We are. Death to that thinking in us that with the presumptuousness that we have that we can release the kingdom of God in an arrogant way and in a worldly way. And Jesus is like, this is, to me, this is, this is it right here. James and John, they're like, you know, Jesus is like, what do, you, what do you want me to do? He said, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left in your glory. Out of, out of all the disciples, they're like, Lord, can we be the guys? We want to be the guys, Right? We want the biggest ministry, the, big, the best and the best of everything. We want to be the most important. We want to have the titles. We want to have, they didn't even really want, what does that mean to sit at the right hand of Jesus and the left? They didn't want the function. They just wanted the title. That sounds familiar today in the church, right? Hello? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Pastor, you're just preaching so harsh. No, I'm, I love you. I want to see freedom in the body of Christ. Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said, we are able. Jesus said, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but is for, for those whom is prepared. Then they were upset. They were mad at Jesus, displeased with Jesus. Jesus said, you know the way the world leads? Through lordship, 
coercion and control. I'm paraphrasing verse 42. He says, that's not how you're supposed to lead. He says, you're supposed to lead to be a servant. Whoever desires to be first will be last, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus didn't come to have four armor bearers and 18 shofar bearers, blowers, when he walks in the room. Jesus did not come to be served as the man of God. He came to lay his life down and to serve. John 13, he washed, I mean, it's the greatest undercover boss episode of all history. Of all, ever, ever, ever. The creator, the God-man, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who sustains our breath. The book of Job says if he inhaled, every, everything that's alive would die. He's the resurrection and the life. Not only does he resurrect us, but he sustains our very being. He holds all things together. And he becomes flesh. He becomes human, fully God, fully man. Then decides to take the lowest place of a servant and wash the disciples' feet. It would be an honor to wash the feet of someone that is amazing, a king. And then flip the script. The king of glory decides to wash our feet. I want to see Jesus rightly. I don't want Jesus, the Jesus I follow, to be contaminated, the view of God to be distorted with a political Jesus. I don't want the Jesus that I follow to be contaminated with a worldly Jesus, a, a Gentile Jesus. Come on, somebody. I don't want the Jesus, the God man that I follow, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the God that I serve to be distorted and me follow an image maybe that I even made, I, maybe I made God in my own image. Maybe I put my mental baggage on, on my view of God and I'm following what I want. And Jesus is like, that's not how I roll. I want you to look, come and see, come follow me. And in order to do that, you need to humble yourself. You need to get a better prescription and that takes humility. I remember we were in the Philippines. It was a highlight of ministry for us. We brought our entire family. We did a mission trip there in 2018. It was amazing. We had a glorious time. The power of God. There was healing. There was a spirit of revival. I mean, I can tell you story after story. We ministered to the most broken places in Tondo, one of the churches that we ministered at. There was crowds uh, close to 2,000 people, one of the largest crowds I've ever had the honor and the privilege to preach to. And we are preaching. Sarah is leading worship. You remember this? It was amazing. My son, David, we lost him. He's in the slums praying for people. I didn't know where he went. I thought someone kidnapped the missionary. And I'm like, David. And I hear, I'm in here, dad. I keep following his voice. He's in there praying for a family. The family's crying. He's praying in tongues. Lord, I bless this family. I mean, it was just amazing. Layla laying hands on the sick. Come on, Layla. She was seven years old. Talk about success in ministry as a father. That's, I mean, it was like, this is it, God, I've arrived. And I remember this moment, we're walking into the mall where the church met. The church met in a mall. It was started in the most impoverished area in Manila called Tondo. And it exploded. And we go to the mall and David is a good armor bearer to his dad, pastor dad, right? And he's a pastor's kid and he is carrying my guitar, and, uh, and we walk in, and some Filipino guy goes, Justin Bieber, <laughs> to David. <laughs> so funny. He kind of had a Justin Bieber haircut back then. But, um, 
And then I told that story when I was preaching, and, and people laughed, you know. But, but it was, what was funny is, in, in the Philippines, you go as an American pastor, missionary, you know, minister, they, you're like a celebrity. You're like a celebrity there. They want, I think we probably took, I don't know, 40 pictures with people after every service. I'm not exaggerating. And they want, everyone wants a picture with you, you know. Well, after I said the Justin Bieber thing, David had my guitar, um, there was probably like 50 girls that ran up to him. And he felt, he was like, Dad, I felt like a celebrity in that moment. He was telling me, I'm like, don't let it get to your head, son. But I remember in the same mall, they had, uh, they had like a, an eyeglass place. And, and I, like, I've been in denial that my eyes are growing dim. It's kind of like in denial of how old you're actually getting, you know. And, uh, and with age, sometimes our vision diminishes. I think sometimes with spiritual maturity, maturity, what we call maturity, growth, vision can diminish. We have to be careful. And I remember just having the humility say, all right, I'm just going to, you know what, it's going to be a little less expensive here in the Philippines. I'm just going to get a prescription and I'm going to, I'm going to get some glasses. Praise God. And I'm going to, and, and part of my motive was I'm going to look cool and hip in glasses. At least that's what I told myself. But really, I just wanted to see better. So I got a prescription, a better prescription. And I'm like, oh man, I can see your face. Wow. I can see fine, I can read fine, but far things are a little blurry. And, and I, I'll never forget that moment. And it was like, the Lord reminded me of that story. And he says, in the same way, we have to be humble enough to get the right prescription to see him. Amen. Because maybe our vision has gotten blurry. Yes. The Jesus we follow, the Jesus that we serve, there is this little parable that Jesus shares about the kingdom of God. So many different interpretations of this, but in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 6, God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for exquisite pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. Different ways to look at this uh, parable, but I want to read just a brief commentary on it from a theologian that I appreciate in the context of talking about forcing our own ideas upon Jesus. It's a singular disaster for it is only knowing the staggering truth about Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us and with who, and to the human race that we are set free from the bondage of our profound and debilitating anxiety into the freedom to live knowing who he really is. The hope and joy we so desperately desire, the passion and courage, the dignity and freedom, the wholeness and fullness for which we long are the fruit of knowing Jesus Christ. And as we come to know him, the real Jesus, as he is in himself as the Father's beloved Son and the Lord and Savior of the human race, that we are quickened with hope and freedom and inspired with a life and joy that are not our own. It was the pearl, after all, that took away the breath of the merchant and so moved him that he sold everything and he had to buy it. The merchant was not acting out of cold religious duty, 
He was acting out of an encounter with something so beautiful, so exquisite and incomparable that it won his heart. To remove the pearl from the story is to leave the man with himself where there's nothing present to rouse his passion, no glorious pearl to quicken his pulse and inspire his soul. This is exactly what happens when we impose our own preconceptions upon Jesus Christ. We rob ourselves of seeing the pearl, of encountering the one thing in the universe that can quicken us and fill us with the life we do not have in ourselves. John has a revelation of God. Revelation chapter 5. And he looked in the midst of the throne. And what did he see? A little lamb. I want to follow the lamb. I want to follow the humble king. I was reminded of some lyrics of a song called Humble King. Oh, kneel me down again here at your feet. Show me how much you love humility. Oh, spirit, be the star that leads me to the humble heart of love I see in you. You are the God of the broken, the friend of the weak. You wash the feet of the weary. Embrace the ones in need. I want to be like you, Jesus, to have this heart in me. You're the God of the humble. You are the humble king. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then we're going to close, open up the altars. In Las Vegas, I was invited to uh, preach at a conference, and I was so excited to be a part of this conference. It was in the heart of the city, and um, I love building new relationships and meeting new pastors, leaders, and this particular pastor in the, this church was putting on a conference, and he had uh, learned about our church, started watching us online a little bit, and he just felt uh, like inviting me and just wanted me to be a part of this conference. So I, uh, I'm still in the dark. If you could bring those lights up. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. There we go. Praise God. Um, so I go to this conference and I'm worshiping the Lord. And the Lord speaks to me right in the midst of this conference. And, and he says, you have no idea how much have I, I, I have anointed you to minister to these people. I'm like, well, praise God. It's a good word, right? And... Uh, and I, and I grabbed a hold of that. Actually, I think I leaned over and told my wife, I'm like, the Lord just spoke this to me, man. I, so it stirred up an anticipation uh, to preach. So I get up and I preach and I do my thing and I preach. I like to preach. By the way, the Lord, you know, recently said, if, if you didn't preach another day in your life, would you still love, serve, and honor me? And I said, absolutely, Lord, but I won't stop worshiping you in the secret place. And I preached, I did my, I, li I love to talk about the Lord. I love to encourage, I love to release the fire. I did my thing and then I had an altar call, right? And I'm thinking the Lord anointed me for this. So I'm gonna minister to these people. And I love these people. I wanna see them blessed. A lot of pastors and leaders from churches all over Las Vegas, inner city, all over. 
and I'm preaching. Then I have an altar call. Guess what happens? The altar flooded and full. I think 95% of the people in the room were all packed into the front. Do you remember this, Rochelle? And I'm thinking, oh man, this is good. Lord, you anointed me for this. Praise God, look at this response. Then God says this. He says, I want you now to go and pray over all of the feet of those that are up here. I'm like, what? So I kneel down. Little did I know I was spiritually washing their feet. I'm praying over their feet. And as soon as I begin to pray, I'm overcome with weeping and love for the people that I'm praying for in a way I don't think I could have unless I got low. I can't even describe to you what I was experiencing. And I feel like in the body of Christ as Christians, we can't forget to go low. That's where we minister Jesus to people, to the core of who they are more than any other place. And, and being humble is, it's, it's learning to listen, it's learning to receive, it's being teachable, correctable, correctable, it's all of that. Learning that we don't have it all, right? We're just one piece to the body. But may we have humility to get a better prescription to see Jesus rightly and then go low and be foot washers in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Because that's how the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom flows not through coercion, control, political powers. The kingdom of God flows through his people that are humble. I remember in that moment, praying at the feet of these wonderful, beautiful people, pastors, leaders, they were weeping. The whole room got wrecked because Jesus manifested his love and humility in such a profound way. That's what I want, church. How many can say amen? Amen. I want to close with this song, uh, Show Me Your Face. Just begin to, would you guys just begin to play? Just begin to play. Play the cello. Let's lift our hands. I want to open up the altars and then we'll dismiss those that want to be dismissed. But if you are in this room and you're saying, God, I want to come sit at your feet so I can see and hear you rightly. Teach me to follow after you. Teach me to have your heart in me. So we humbly come. I wanna open up the altars right now. Just come on down here if you wanna just lay down before the Lord. And I pray as you do that something would just impact your heart as you do the presence of God just crash in, just come. Let's lay low. Let's lay low. I believe that we release powerful things. I believe that we're supposed to release the kingdom in different realms of society, but let's not forget how we do it. We do it through the love and humility of Christ Jesus, the one that we love and serve, the one who gave his life. We want to behold the pearl that took the breath away of the merchant who looked everywhere and finally found the one that they have been looking for. Show us your face, Jesus. Show us your face.
Jesus. Let's worship together right now in this moment. Just take a moment and sing it together. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.